Welcome to Beyond Synth. Please note, Beyond Synth is an explicit program and may contain inappropriate language. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Today's show is brought to you by Dallas Campbell and his new album, Oasis, featuring 12 tracks of that signature Dallas Campbell sound. You'll be taken back in time by his psychedelic retro electronic grooves. In his review on synthetics, Robin Ogden says, This is a wonderfully produced album, and it is beautifully mixed and mastered. Dallas Campbell is certainly a producer paving his own way down the road less traveled, building cosmic musical pagodas and teaching old synthesizers new tricks on the way. So check out Oasis by Dallas Campbell at magichappened.bandcamp.com. Hey there, welcome to the show. My name is Andy Last, and you are listening to Beyond Synth. This is episode 34. My guest today is Blushes, a lovely trio from Houston. Uh, but before we talk to them, we are going to have a quick chat with a fellow by the name of Lockie James from Australia, who also makes some cool music. So let's do that right now. Here's my quick chat with Lockie James. I'm here with uh, Lockie James. E. From Australia. Am I your first Australian guest? Technically, Marco was on in a brief cameo. Fuck. Okay, okay, well, I'm your first Australian musician guest then, right? On Beyond Synth, yes. Oh, fuck yes. Well, because I'm thinking, because Dream Fiend, I think, is from Australia. Is he? Isn't he? But it wasn't on Beyond Synth, it was when I did the live show. I'm far too self-indulgent to know where your other guests are from, Andy, please. (laughs) This is about me, come on. (laughs) All right, man, so tell me about uh, you here, because we've not actually uh, talked like this before, although we've chatted briefly. Yes, we have. You are sort of filling uh, a void in the sort of the, uh, the 80s scene with a sound that not other people are doing. The glam rock kind of synth sort of thing. I think it's just that I'm a bit too lazy to add a modern twist to it, really. Um, I like that rock kind of 80s sound. As cliche as some might say it would be, I uh, find it to be rather euphonious, if I may. <laughs> you may not. Oh, fuck. No big words on this show. Dude, do you know how much money I spent on that thesaurus before coming on here? <laughs> Or you wasted your time. I have to dumb the whole show down for my audience. Do you seriously have fans? We just you just don't <laughs> really admit on the air. 
Let's dumb it down. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. We're dumbing it down for me because I don't know what euphonious means, all right? And I'm trying to blame it on my audience because I'm a bad, bad guy. Well, Andy, euphonious, adjective, used to describe a sound that is pleasing to the ear. Ah, see, see, you could have said good there. I didn't want to fucking say good. Keep going. <laughs> What's your next question? <laughs> Tell me about you, man. I am a... Uh... A former rock and roll singer, as they would say. So I used to be in a bunch of rock and heavy metal bands. And um, one day, my rebellious spirit told me I had to go invest in synthesizers. Got a few shoulder padded jackets and turn new wave, I guess. How long have you been doing the solo thing? Well, I put out my record. I, di I didn't want to do the whole singles and SoundCloud thing, which I realize in hindsight I should have. Because it's really hard to build up a following when you just drop an album on the scene and that's it be like yeah so basically december last year i put out a, a record called paradise lost via sun lover records they were kind enough to uh to put that out on their label basically i just wanted to incorporate rock sounds with synth sounds but at the same time just keep it completely 80s i didn't want to do the modern twist or anything like that i just wanted to uh make it sound like it came out of 86 i mean i've told you this many times but uh, the track the track midnight i'm blushing is my is my favorite track it's a great song thank you very much it was the first song i wrote for the record i played it for my mom and she said it sounds like 80s shit which i'm pretty i was pretty happy about she poked <laughs> <out in> the <laughs> door. <laughs> she's like i oh, just do what you were doing before. Just enough with the synth shit. I'm like, okay, mom. <laughs> it was cool because I, I wanted to make like a, a synthy ballad. I hadn't heard much. Like, I think Le Cassette were a huge influence in, uh, I'd heard like Arms of Mine and stuff like that. And just using those like minor chord progressions really just influenced me to make something a bit more moody. I um, just had to make it a little bit cheesy. And so I did.
tell me then, man. Yes, man. What were you planning to do? It's two in the morning. Am I interrupting you going to bed? Are you a person who goes to bed late? This seems very personal for your podcast, Andy. What was I doing at two o'clock in the morning? Mm -hmm. Do you really need to know? Yeah, I'm not backing down from this important question. Okay, well, I'll I'll let you know. (laughs) I was actually uh, combing through my receipts of the past six months preparing for the next end of financial year so that I could maximize my rebate, if you must know. Wait, when do they do taxes in Australia? Because it was tax season here. Like, do you have tax season at the same time? Are you being very proactive? Uh, We have our tax time. End of financial year is June 30th here, so... Hmm. Is this really synth-related? Are we talking about Australian end of financial year right now, Andy? Please, for the love of God, just ask me about my next album. Fuck. (laughs) All right, is your album going to be releasing around the year-end financial season in Australia, which I believe now is June some point. June 30th. June 30th. You know what's funny is that that's when Toyotathon starts in Australia as well. So if you're looking, if you're in the market for a new Camry, I suggest you uh, come over to Australia around June 30th. Did you say Toyotathon? Toyotathon. It's a month-long period where Toyota do sales on their uh, cars. (laughs) Do you work at a car dealership? No, I do not. I just watch a lot of commercials. (laughs) Are you not privy to the idea of Toyotathon? I am now. How the fuck did we tangent this fuck? <laughs> Apparently you haven't listened to my show before. If you were expecting <laughs> me to ask you questions about music, you were sorely mistaken. I'm thinking, okay, I'll come on here. I'll plug my record. Next thing I know, I'm talking about taxes and Toyotas. You're better at ego deflating than my mother. <laughs> what was the question? Well... <laughs> You wanted a Prius, is that right? Are you working on a new album? Are you doing an EP? Or have you learned from the past and are now going to dole out your future music in singles on SoundCloud? I'm working on a bunch of stuff at the moment. Are you familiar with the work of Diamond Field? Yes. Oh, well, have I got news for you? Don't want to hear it. No, fuck you. I am not... <laughs> I'm doing a single with Diamond. Well, I don't know if it's a single. I'm doing a track for Andy on his upcoming EP. It's a very, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the work of Richard Marks and uh, the likes of Michael Sambello, but plenty of DX7 and high vocals. Cool. I do anticipate it to be a, a rather exciting release. Keep in touch with Diamond Fields Facebook page for upcoming information. And besides that, I'm doing a track with Tape Loader. Fuck me, he's a, he's a great producer. He's he's really good with that like more early 80s like human leaky kind of tangerine dreamy synth pop stuff. Um I'm doing a track with him. We actually put out a single on Christmas Eve, as magical as it were, which I think you could still find on SoundCloud, called This Christmas, I'll Be Missing You. Yeah, so I, I'm doing a track with Tape Loader for his upcoming record. It's going to be out during the European North Hemispherean summer. Some stuff with VHS Dreams, and I've got a maxi single coming out in a couple of weeks, or maybe a couple of days, I don't know, called Magenta, which is a very fun, upbeat, uplifting pop song, similar to that of... Uh, rock set i guess apart from that i'm just working on my record it's weird because I, i'm writing a disco record but the more i write it the more it just sounds like synthwave. it'll it'll be good i think it'll be out soon so be sure to get that i think i'm releasing it with sun lover records again um if they'll have me please please <laughs> <laughs> no look I'm, I'm excited i'm just working on a record i'm gonna put it out it's gonna be a lot of fun and uh 
Hopefully it does all right. Well, I hope it does too, man. I look forward to it. Do you have a day job? I do. I work in an off-license. I work in a liquor store. In Australia, we call it a bottle or a bottle shop. Yeah, the bottle of Shaz. Yeah, be sure to pick me up a carton of Carlton. In Australia, can you only sell, like, alcohol in certain stores or can, like, grocery stores have it as well? Well, it's weird. It, it kind of varies from state to state. Like, you can't... It's not oh, alcohol aisle seven diapers and fucking stationery aisle five. Um, you've kind of got, like, different stores separated. There's a lot of licensing shit that goes on down here. We're a very drunken country, and uh, if it weren't for legislation, we'd all be running naked in the streets, I think. So thank you, Parliament, for keeping us all in line. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> salute your efforts. <laughs> so, like, you have to go to a certain store to get it. You can't leave a pub with a glass of beer or something like that. It, it's pretty strict. But uh, Queensland is certainly the strictest as far as drinking and smoking goes. I think... Um, Wait, Australia is divided into states? It is, yeah. We've, we've got, uh, I think it's five or six. It's states and territories. I'm in Queensland. So Queensland is like the equivalent, I would say like America's Miami. Like it's more conservative. There's a lot of beaches and a big drug problem. And lots of people come here to suntan and party and shoot people and things. So I would say this is the closest to Florida as you would get in the country, whereas you've got like New South Wales and Melbourne, which would be closer to New York. It's it's like that. Like it's it's a very Americanized culture down here. No, it's interesting. I, I, never knew, I never knew how it was sort of divided up, but I know there's a big portion of it that you just can't even live in. Well, yeah. I mean, like most of it's desert and snakes and aggressive kangaroos. Do you ever get those giant spiders in your house? Everyone likes posting those stories about giant spiders in Australia. As I was just about to come onto your show, I encountered this big fucking white-tailed spider outside, and then I had a huntsman on the staircase as I was coming in, and the huntsman's like half the size of a dinner plate, and it's a little bit intimidating, but they don't bite, so you just um, don't really pay that much attention to them. They're spiders. Are you scared of spiders in Canada? Is that like a common fear up there? In rural areas and where people live, we don't have big spiders. Like, I think we do have big spiders in, like, the forests and shit, but, like, we don't see them. Okay. It's not like when people always post those crazy pictures of Australia and, like, they'll just be like, check out this, and they'll just be, like, this spider that's, like, the size of a fucking hand. It's just like, Jesus Christ. Like, I'm so glad. To be fair, people are like, you know, everyone's always like, oh, spiders, spiders are scary. Yeah. But uh, when you live in, like, a basement apartment, dude we get centipedes and centipedes, centipedes are fucking terrifying like people it drives me nuts when people get all worked up about spiders centipedes so many legs centipedes man they're fucking fast they're gross they make a fucking sound like you get and they got so many legs and like if you squish them they're still like alive they're the worst i swear one day there was this giant centipede and I killed it, and I swear it made a sound. It made a fucking sound, and it was horrifying. Do centipedes have voice boxes? Well, I don't know. I, I mean, like, I, it, but it made a sound. <laughs> like, it, like, I swear I killed it, and there was like a kind of sound. I was like, oh, my God. You've really piqued my interest here. I'm quite interested in decapitating a centipede and sampling it into a fair light at this point and uh, using it on my <laughs> upcoming album. So be sure to listen out for dying centipedes. I will be sure to sequence and Do you amazing. have like giant centipedes? Do you have centipedes? You must. I think I saw one when I was like six. I don't know. We don't get a whole lot of them. They get killed by like the spiders yeah. and then the spiders <laughs> get by the snakes and the snakes get killed by the emus and shit. It's really weird out here. It's like in my postcode, there are four species of snake that if they sting you, you will die within 45 minutes. So it's kind of like 
this underlying thought of don't go walking through the bush if you got shorts on. Is it like part of every Australian's uh, wardrobe then to carry around like a little thing, a vial of anti-venom? Yeah, man, just in the wallet, you know, next to the, uh, <laughs> the, the MasterCard. Yeah. Just a syringe. I almost forgot me fucking anti-venom, Jesus Christ. <laughs> you got your Amex? <laughs> oh. <laughs> no. Anyway, we've had a lot of fun here today, right? I think we have. What about you? <laughs> I guess, well, it's day for me. It's uh, it's bedtime for you, it sounds like. I will say, though, like, Beyond Synth kind of got me into the scene, like, you know, with Betamax and Highway Superstar and Lacassette. Like, that was one of my uh, little entries to it. So I have to thank you and your fine quality Canadian broadcasting skills for... Uh... <laughs> anyway, who's your next guest? Today on the show is Blushes, a trio from Houston. What a good name. Can I intro them? No. Well, I'll intro them anyway. No. Ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, don't touch that skip button on your Android or iPhone devices. Stay tuned for Blushes from Houston on Beyond Synth, hosted by Andy Last. How's that? Perfect. Fucking quality, wasn't it? Okay, you can send the check to Lockie. <laughs> there will be no money changing hands. I don't want your Canadian dollars. I hear they're useless. Wow! wow. Oh, is that is that your foghorn? What is it? In place of a rim shot. Do you require a Lindrum sample for this spot? <laughs> <laughs> I require a different guest. Oh, well, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> I digress. I present to you blushes from Houston on Beyond Synth. Fuck yourself, you Canuck. (laughs) (laughs) And that was Lockie James. That was a lot of fun. You can check out his music. I'll post all the links to to all the artists on the SoundCloud description of the episode. Uh, That's where all the links get posted. So up next is Blushes. Uh, Before we talk to them, just a quick reminder. uh, When you get a moment, please like the Beyond Synth Facebook page. Uh, Please follow Beyond Synth on SoundCloud. That's where all the episodes get posted. Uh, If you like the episodes, please comment, uh, share, heart them. It's always nice to to see that stuff. Uh, You can also follow me on Twitter. I am at Andy Last on Twitter. That is the official Beyond Synth Twitter account as well. And if you ever have any free time, check out Andy Last on Vimeo. I have some videos up there you might like, so check them out. Man, that'd be cool or lady. And that is it. So now here's my conversation with Blushes. You say Blushes, right? Like that is the way you say it? Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's not Blushes or anything like that? No, nor is it B-L-S-H-S, which we've had before. It's yeah. funny. <laughs> He's like, and this Blushes. is a new one from B-L-S-H-S. And we're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> we're talking today right after you guys just were practicing right like is that was going on before we uh, started talking yeah was that fun (laughs) 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 we just got busted we were gonna practice yeah before i got stuck at work (laughs) we were just gonna roll with it we didn't expect a (laughs) follow-up i'll introduce you guys here so i can figure out who's who i can guess which one's michelle but so it's uh chris gore right is that correct yeah (laughs) 
we were, we were going to mess with you for a bit, but no. Yeah, that's Chris Gore. And that's you. That's me. All right. And then Rick, how do you say your last name? Is it Kareth or Caruth? Or? Caruth. Caruth. Okay. And uh, Michelle, how do you say your last name? It's Myers. Okay, Michelle Myers. So how long have you guys been uh, been doing this? Because I first heard of you guys about, I think it was like in 2013. It was back when I was doing like the first season of this show. And then I had a few synth artists come on and talk about music they were listening to. And then a, a chap by the name of Mike Mendoza uh, mentioned you guys. And then we listened to a track, which I must think was Just Wait. Yeah, yeah. yeah. sounds right. <laughs> yeah, we've been talking about this for a long time. Doing Beyond Synth. I remember, oh, yeah. I remember when Mike Hoo-Ha yeah. was on and plugged us. Yeah, that was that was just wait. That was a while ago. Mm-hmm. How long have you guys been been doing it? Well, we met about now. It's been two years ago. Yeah. So I guess yeah. we, I guess we started talking like we first really met probably late January two thousand thirteen. Mm-hmm. And the South by Southwest that year was the first time we really all got some quality hang time. So, yeah, since South by like 2013. How was that meeting uh, facilitated then? I mean, were any of you people friends before or was it just... Uh, me and Chris had worked together previously on a couple of projects and... Uh, yeah, yeah, so we had this band with Ethan Converse from Rose Quartz and they were starting to blow up as flashlights and we had a little project we were doing with him, but he was in Colorado. So it was really slow to try to work with it. And they started getting really big show offers and just really moving and doing some stuff. So he kind of broke out to focus on that, which we totally understood. We love them. They're amazing. And we had a mutual friend and I just kind of mentioned in passing that we were looking for like a female vocalist, like here in Houston. And I had a friend that was like, hey, you know, I know somebody that'd be, that'd be perfect. Just kind of went from there. What were you doing then, Michelle? Like, did you like did you have stuff out there already that you were already singing, but in a different style? Or I hadn't really put out any original tracks other than with my brother. There's a song on my SoundCloud that he and I did, and it was kind of like oh, I would have called that like trance pop or something. It was still electronic, um, but with my brother, I was doing this. Um, I was kind of a, ba- I guess, a backup hype singer, hype man for a <laughs> electro dubstep group called Zolotti Nation. That's like Z-O-L-O-T-I. Does that mean something? I think they did get that name from my bandmate, my brother. I think they got that name from some, I don't know, word that meant like the god of lightning and it was like shalotl <laughs> and then they turned that into Zalotti and then that turned into Zalotti Nation. And my Twitter handle is still L Zalotti because I just can't let it go. Because I mean, that's where I started and it was really fun and it was fun doing it with my brother and we had like a lot of lighting equipment, like crazy lasers. And I guess when Rick, Chris and I hung out for the first time at um, South by, they did kind of a DJ set there. And so they got to see kind of where I was coming from. And, um, but it was, it was neat. And other than that, I was just doing, I was just trying to explore where I wanted to go with my music. I was taking lessons, just vocal and piano, which was the first time I've ever done that. Everything, everything I've ever learned has just been kind of on my own and by ear. So I was trying to fine tune kind of my technical skills and I was doing that for a couple months and that's how the mutual friend that kind of introduced us was my piano teacher at the time. So that was really my my background. I mean, other than that, I've just I was kind of a closet singer and closet songwriter, you know, but I had never really done it on the scale that that we ended up doing it on. 
I'm still trying to figure out this whole Zalati thing. I've never... <laughs> to me, the god of lightning is Raiden. Look on YouTube <laughs> and search Zalati Nation, and you'll hear our cover of Cruel Summer from Banana awesome. Oh, do you rap on it? I, I rap listened. on it. Oh, shit. Why it's going down. I, I rap on that, that, and yes. I sing the hook on that, and then you'll see some videos with like our lasers and everything. And we It's crazy because we actually opened for DMX, and then last year we played Summerfest here in Houston and we shared a stage with DMX. So I'm like, how did I, in my very short career, share a stage with DMX twice? That's awesome. It's random, but yeah, it was really cool. Okay, so then when you guys got together, what was, I mean, did you have a discussion as to like what you guys wanted to do or did you just start jamming? Yeah, we'd all sit down and talked about kind of like the music that we're into and what we're listening to right now and kind of the direction we were looking to go um, with everything and kind of got all on board that way. Yeah, we were we were kind of already writing. So, so we first met in like January. I went probably early February and saw Michelle do an open mic night like a coffee house or somewhere. But we already had some songs that we'd been working on. We, we actually had a whole EP we had sitting around from before that Ethan was going to sing on before they got busy. So we just shot her some instrumentals and we were already kind of sending songs back and forth to each other and working before we really all got together yeah. to really, really hang out. So were some of those instrumentals that you wrote before, had the other singer ever laid down like any sort of temp thing at all? I'm just wondering if like you did a thing and like there was sort of an original idea that was like maybe very different once... Michelle got a hold of it or was it were they all just clean never been sung on I don't think any of the ones that were on our EP I don't think anybody else used those yeah they were pretty clean there's been one track that Rick and I wrote that we've tried three or four different vocalists <laughs> on over the years yeah we just we just sent her some new stuff because we're always writing anyways so aside from the, the tracks the EP tracks that we had for Neon Lips at the time we were still writing, so we had three or four new songs by the time we decided to look for a singer and founder, which was like two days. Yeah. <laughs> like it was real quick. <laughs> like two days. Tell me about the track uh, Just Wait then. Was that like the first one? Yeah, yeah that was they, our first release. The first, other than the song that I told you about with my brother, that was really one of my first full songs to ever write too. And it just was, it was right. I mean, it was just came together really well, really naturally, if I remember it was just kind of like, here's our first attempt, and it sounded good.
all collaborating on the actual production of the tracks. But during those days and on Abstract Desires, although I can play piano and I now play a guitar live, at that time, I kind of just wasn't sure. I didn't want to step on any toes and I just was coming in knowing they wanted a vocalist. So I never really even approached the idea of, hey, I want to jump in here because I'm actually really interested in production and I have I do it for fun and in my spare time too. And um, basically, as we've gotten to know each other more and become more open, I mean, I've I ended up jumping in now in our writing process. It's different. I would say different every song because sometimes Chris sends a chord progression, which turns into something or Rick sends a beat first and I've sent tracks in and, you know, Chris added parts and Rick then add a beat. And we've all sat together in a room and just played our played our instruments and just created from the ground up in the same room together, just jamming. So it is kind of different on every song mm-hmm. now. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit more about the guitar. Does it make you feel cool? Yeah, it does. The first year that we were playing out live, um, I basically went from singing and then grabbing a, I'm like, okay, I want, I want to play instruments. Uh, I didn't have a synth or anything that I could play. So I started playing a tambourine and these egg shakers and claves because I was a percussionist in high school. I was on the drum line. So I just grabbed some percussion instruments and I would mess around with those on stage. And um, it was pretty cool. But then I'm like, you know, I really want an instrument. I want a synth. And Christmas time was coming up. So I... My family asked me for my Christmas list, and on that list was a guitar, and I had no clue what I was going to get out of that. I mean, I thought maybe they'd get me like a MIDI, you know, just a, a MIDI controller only guitar, just price wise. And then it turns out I opened up my future that Christmas. <laughs> I named my guitar Lucy. It's I love my guitar. Um, I mean, <laughs> there there are onboard sounds. It's a Roland Lucina AX09 AX09. Serial number 3422. Yes, pearl white finish. Hold on. They make keytars that are just MIDI controllers? They do. So then what's the point? So you'd have a keytar and then you'd have to have like a laptop or something else like strapped to your back for the sounds? It's probably a lighter weight, you know, so it's easier to move around on the stage while you're miming to your music. (laughs) Really, you're not going to... A USB cable? Like, no, it doesn't click in at all. No, that would like, be really hard. Like, you can't hard. run around stage USB'd to something. That's I can't ridiculous. imagine. USB'd. Yeah, so I'm really glad I opened what I did. And I basically had to jump in feet first or head first. I don't know. But we got called by our our favorite venue here, Fitzgerald's, to open for The Naked and Famous. And we, at the same time, were preparing a cover set for a benefit show playing all LaRue covers. Mm-hmm. I went ahead and decided I'm going to go ahead and play the guitar on this show. And it was a sold out show of at least, what do you think, 750 people? Yeah, capacity there is like 650, 750. And I whip out the guitar for the first time like, well, hello, guys. Uh, This is the first time I'm playing this, basically. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I had been practicing it, but we we played one of our LaRue covers and it was super fun. And from then on, I'm like, okay, I'm not putting this thing down. I love it. It's I mean, the crowd loves it. It's like. Is that a guitar? I mean, it's 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 just fun. And uh, now I play it basically on every song. I select a couple. There are a couple that we play live that I go ahead and put it down so I can dance more and move around a little bit more. But otherwise, I play it for the whole set typically. And now we're using it in, in our production, too, because it has a lot of good sounds. Speaking of which, uh, Chris, what did what did you get for Christmas? Oh, shit. Uh, 2014? 
I mean, if you, she's getting keytars over here. Did you get anything good, or are you like a Sox family? Or actually, yeah. So the same year she got the, I am, I am a Sox family. But um, <laughs> <laughs> no, the year, the year she got the keytar, uh, my wife hooked it up. She got me a Moog Minotaur for Christmas that Ooh. year. So I actually used that as we were finishing up the the EP. I threw that on some tracks, and we've used that on some Blushes songs. What about you, Rick? I was just trying to think of what I got while you were asking you, Chris. You, you, um, got the, you got the push that year, didn't you? No, I, I think I had it then. Um, I got no, this was this past Christmas, right? No, no, not 13? like yeah. Oh yeah, not um, six weeks ago, but like oh yeah, I probably got the Ableton push. Um, that was a big right. Christmas then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I may have got something else, but all I remember is push. I'm on a daily, so that's the one I recall. So who got the better gift then? If you were going to rank each other, I Ooh, think they've all been Nikes. Well, the push has been super integral to what we do. But so is the keytar, kind of. I don't know. I, I've since sold the sold the minotaur. So, so, um, so Chris the minotaur want. comes in third place. I'm kind of I'm kind of jealous of either one of their gifts. If I had a keytar, I'd be out there crowd surfing while I play. That can be your image, though, man. What if you all had keytars? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think I could rock the keytar very well. Tell me about the track blushes. That one came together real quick. I remember yeah. Chris sending the bass line over. And rolling around in my car and going, I already have this. And I quickly sent that over, along with Chase by Memories, in the same night. Mm-hmm. That was a big yeah, night. That was it was a big was, night on we, we enjoyed those two songs. And um, yeah, I think it started with the bass line. And then um, I went ahead and wrote out the verses and choruses and even the O's really quickly within a few days. And then we just built the track up from there. Lyrically... <laughs> <laughs> Lyrically, I mean, it's just, it's really just about being vulnerable, I guess. <laughs> I mean, the the song is talking about how you kind of hide your feelings to everyone around you. And, you know, it's about a relationship. It's about kind of only giving into your own emotions when you're like in this in the safety of like your home or, you know, you know, when at night, that's when you think, that's when you kind of daydream, that's when you think about your feelings, that's when you're vulnerable, but at the same time, kind of the darkness provides safety to those feelings because no one, no one's there, no one can hear or see you or whatever. So that's kind of what it's about, just being vulnerable to your emotions. Did you call it blushes to sort of allow people to understand that your band is called blushes? As far as lyrically, I don't think I did that on purpose. I wasn't thinking this is going to be our self titled track or anything but we stuck with it i mean that's such a prominent lyric in the song that we went ahead and stuck with it for the name just Mm -hmm. and it and it turned out to be cool because it is kind of like blushes by blushes i mean it it worked out well but it wasn't the overall intention After living in a 
Tell me how you felt about that Star Wars teaser. Oh my God. Um, I'm very excited for it. And um, I've kind of just not been doing myself a very good solid and reading all the spoilers and all that kind of stuff. So I know way too much about the film right now, assuming that it's correct. Yeah, I was super excited for that teaser. I'm, I can't wait. This is, yeah, it's very exciting. It's hard to put into words. I love Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> he's got he's got the Anakin helmet. I think he may have. I don't think he's actually played live in it yet. No. But we had a Halloween show and he wore it around the entire day. Yeah, that was awesome. Show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is that hard? Uh, yeah, no, it's it's not it's not an easy wear. <laughs> it's not very comfortable, and after a while, your ears just hurt because it just presses against them for hours. It's totally uh, for show. It's not practical. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's not an everyday. Yeah, it's not very practical. <clears throat> Michelle, what's your feeling on the Star Wars? Do you care? Yeah, what is your feeling <laughs> on the Star Wars? That's a very good question. <clears throat> it goes to me. Yeah. Man, uh, Sorry, fans. <laughs> I love Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> Was Blushes, the song Blushes, was that actually written to be part of the the EP? Because it came out first, right? I remember hearing it before I heard the EP. Blushes came out on a compilation somehow, didn't it? Yeah, Blushes was on Retro Future. Retro Future. It yeah. was. It was was pretty much the single release to the EP. Yeah. It was through the violent success. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we knew knew we really liked it. I think... We were just writing and writing, and we knew which ones we liked. I think when that came out, I'm sure we knew that that would be on the EP. It was probably furthest along as well. I feel like if Runaway was done at that point, we would have picked that as like a single. Mm -hmm. But we had just weighed out at that point. I think Change had probably come out on the Sunset Waves compilation. So that one seemed to make a a lot of sense based on what we had already put out there <clears throat> and just kind of showing a little bit of diversity and setting up. We, we, we wrote probably about 20 demos for the, for the EP and we picked the ones from the demos. We kind of picked the ones that made the most sense together. So we'd have a, a nice EP that was cohesive and everything made sense together. And I think blush has probably just sounded the most representative of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How many music videos do you, have you had made? I know there's the one, there's the gave it away one. Is there another one? I feel like there's another one. There's, there's one for blushes. And there's another Tuesday, which our friend yeah. Austin Roa did. So we've had two made with full out music videos. And then we had Rick made the blushes yeah. video that's out there. That's on YouTube. It's a super cut of all kinds of like 80s makeup commercials. It's pretty rad. Rick made it. And uh, that's a fun little edit. Yeah, it is a fun little <laughs> edit, you know, and we, we just called that the official video. We've actually had people ask to make a video for that song. And we were like, no, you know, like that's. 
that's the official for it. Like, it actually gets a lot of yeah. activity. I mean, views, it seems like. And, like and then we've got, there's a there's a video for Chase by Memories that Violent Success that John Littlefield put together for us oh, yeah. using some mm -hmm. footage from Battle Beyond the Stars. So that was pretty rad. Other people, I've, I'm always surprised when I get on YouTube and there are other people that have made like lyric videos and things. Electric Disc made one for Blushes, a lyric video. Um, we have a girl in the UK, Lelia, who has been talking to me for months on Twitter. She's filming a bunch of like time-lapse footage <laughs> of sunsets and beach, you know, shore, the shoreline and all sorts of cool stuff. And so she supposedly, that's, she's doing that for the song Just Wait. And I think that'll be really cool. Eventually, when she finishes that, she has a bunch of beautiful footage. Talk to me a bit about the Gave It Away video, because there were some cool shots in that. It looked like they were aerial, like, uh, shots and stuff, like a quadcopter or something. Was that going on? They brought out a drone. Yeah, a drone. It was awesome. That was a company here in Houston called HD Publications. They were amazing yeah. to work with. I mean, the song was written about a very specific experience in, in my life, and I just kind of brought to life. I created a Pinterest board, and then we met with Kyle oh. and Alistair from HD Publications, and they helped us bring it to life. We um, filmed it in a day, and yeah, they brought out their drone. Actually, no, we had a two-day shoot. The yeah. second day, we were out on the top of the Hobby Center parking garage here in Houston, and it was like about to rain on us the whole time, <laughs> and it was a really cool, I mean, it was just a neat experience. Yeah, we, had to, we had to do the shots really quickly so it wouldn't rain on us, and we had umbrellas out there covering our instruments. and It, it was a blast, and it really... That video, we could, we just kind of put the word out. We didn't really have a budget to do much with it. So, you know, we invited everybody to come hang and be extras in it and dance. And we had our boy Rob Falconfucker come do visuals. <laughs> our friend Brendan from The Bean. <laughs> That's his name. That's awesome. That's his name. And, you should, and he's amazing, actually. You should, you should check really, him out. Really, he's, really he's, he's hooked up with Red Bull, <clears throat> Red Bull's base division, whatever it's called, base recently, camp. base camp. And he's pretty freaking awesome. But everybody just came through. Mm -hmm. We had a friend that he knew someone with an art studio, and we were able to use that location. Yep. And our friend uh, Hiram, who now just goes by Hiram with his music, he came out and he, like, DJed it. DJ. We just had a big pizza party, like a big pizza dance party with visuals, mm -hmm. and filmed it for, for those and scenes. And I couldn't believe how amazing they did. Well, I could because they're that talented, but hair and makeup, Jen Schaefer and Aida Sama from here in Houston, they, I mean, I showed them what I wanted, a vision of what I wanted as far as the looks, and they just completely got it. I mean, nailed it. Nailed it. Yeah, nailed it. it was perfect. So, mm. so many talented people from Houston, all of our, they're mm -hmm. all friends of ours, and it was like it was a fun time. It was just yeah, really was one really of the cool. coolest experiences because it just really showcased like how collaborative Houston is as a scene and how supportive everyone is of one another. And it was just really cool. Yeah, pr pretty much everybody that's in there dancing with us, making a fool out of themselves or not, depending on their dance skills. That's that's all like the I mean, that's the people that are out here playing shows, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. in all kinds of different genres like that's bang, bang. That's the other, you know, musicians here in town yeah. just mm -hmm. coming through to hang out. It's a real group effort. 
Yeah. Yeah. Did anybody get hit in the head by the drone? No, but you could hear it like buzzing around your head and buzzing behind you. And it sounds like it's right there. Like it's just so close. Like it could cut your hair, but no, 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 no injuries. It was really cool. Like I, yeah. I didn't expect that. I'm not even sure I knew that they had the drone. I think we found out a couple of days before the shoot. It was still, it was a big surprise, you know, when they showed up with it. I think it was kind of brand new to them. Mm-hmm. They, there were some discussions right before they started using it about I guess you have to have somewhere safe to land it if anything starts going wrong. And since we were already starting out on the top of a parking garage, they were a little worried at first to actually break it out and kind of and kind of use it in that situation. But I mean, it, it turned out great, you know, and no drones were harmed in the making of the video. So that's always good. <laughs> music we just kind of make music and we don't really like think about we're going to make this style of song today or yeah there's really no album we want to concept it's just us making songs and then grabbing them all and putting all the ones that make sense to fit together fit together from just wait to i don't know like gave it away (laughs) i mean you can hear that our our sound kind of changes i guess or has changed. And now, mm-hmm. especially, I don't know if you've listened to our newest single, In and Out, but but I don't even know what to call it still. You know, I still don't think we even call ourselves anything necessarily. Yeah, genre-wise, I, would, I wouldn't happen to know. What yeah, we don't really know what genre we are. Were we going for anything? Yeah. I don't think so. No, because we just, we, we, we had like that demo months. And then we just kind of picked, you know, what yeah. felt good <clears throat> together. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think we really had any... Like we're gonna constraints make a, on it. Yeah. yeah. Not I mean, necessarily we don't have a goal, we just don't put any constraints on ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, we, we didn't I say, mean it's gonna be just like how the LP is gonna be, like we'll have a bunch of songs and then we'll choose which songs we yeah. want and then that's it. It's not like we're like we want it to sound a certain way, but just all the ones we really like, just throw them suckers on there. We don't necessarily go into it with an exact idea of exactly what we want it to be like, but we just 
Instead, we just don't put any limits on ourselves or yeah. the sound that we might come up with. Now, how much have, has things changed once you guys actually formed up and became a band? Because like your voice, Michelle, is very distinctive. And it's a cool, like your voice sounds cool. I like it. Oh, thanks. Does that shape how like the music was being written? Like were you guys like writing some stuff and then when she came aboard and you kind of heard her voice was sort of like, oh, maybe we can shape this stuff differently? Yeah, that definitely plays a part in it for sure. What we worked out when we were writing for Abstract Desires, we kind of came to a workflow that worked. Rick had this goal of doing a new beat every day. So he'd shoot me over a new a new beat and I would try to put down at least some synth bass or chord <clears throat> progression. And it really started making more sense to start with the bass. That was my first instrument was bass guitar. And a lot of the songs, when we would send Michelle something to write to, it would just be drums and synth bass. And she'd go in and throw down her vocal melody and then throw in her harmonies. So she'd actually add harmonic structure to it as well. And then we kind of went back in after her to kind of write the music and work the arrangements. So it really kind of, I guess, left it as open as possible for her to go... She's definitely going to go some different places than if I'm just sitting there playing a playing a synth all night. You know, I'm going to stay in the same kinds of ideas, and this way it keeps pushing like <clears throat> me in new places. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I like it when someone says like a huge thing to say, and then like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what he said. Okay, can we just go back a bit? When you said that Falcon guy, you, you did say his name was Falcon Fucker. Was that correct? Yeah. So, so we're in Houston, so we don't like vowels, right? So it's F L C O N C K E R, and he's on SoundCloud and Cheese No Onions on Twitter. He did Bonnaroo, Bonnaroo yeah, recently. He did Bonnaroo. You should definitely check him out. He's he's awesome. If you've ever seen any photos or, or videos of us playing live and it looked like there was some really cool visuals going on, it's because we were playing with him or brought him in just to just to do the wizardry when we play. The wizardry. He's he's awesome. He's got like an instrumental monome based, like abstract post down tempo thing. I don't know how to describe it, but he's all into the glitch visuals as well. And it's, it's, it's really impressive. Speaking of uh, the live shows, I mean, you guys do a lot of live sort of performing. So how does that process work? Because I know like with some of the tracks that are on, you know, the EP and stuff, there are some layered vocals because you can only do your voice on stage right once. So like, do you have the other ones like programmed in and ready to go in the background or do you drop it or? Yeah, we have the Those harmony tracks. tracks. Mm-hmm. We, we do keep, leave the harmony tracks in because I think that adds definitely some depth and yeah. dynamics. We can have a couple backing tracks, but otherwise. But those also, they don't just, they don't just play linearly the exact same way that they are on the recordings. Those are also, you know, they're part of what Rick's up there messing with, with his push and his MPD and he's kind of manipulating live. He's a, he's able to filter or rearrange to some extent what's going on with those live. You know, he can throw them out to delays and it gives yeah. him an extra element that he can work with texturally yeah. live as well mm-hmm. so we can get more dynamics. And then Chris and I play synth parts live as well. <laughs> <laughs> can, I, can I throw in another yeah? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I think we have like collective favorites, but we each also have our own personal favorites. For me, my two favorites would be um, Blushes and Runaway. Are we talking live or just like to listen to? Well, wh- I mean, what what would you say then is the biggest, is, is the track that has the biggest sort of difference between when it's performed live than how it is on the... Uh... 
on the album. Yeah, Runaway, just by chance, we were at a show and we were having some technical difficulties. And it was actually that Naked and Famous show that Michelle mentioned earlier. And it was our last song. We were, we were closing it out with, uh, with Runaway and we're having some problems. So Michelle just started playing the chords on her, on her piano, on her guitar. And so it started with this kind of really like almost like Blush's unplugged yeah. version, which is her playing the chords and singing it into it. Would you sing on that part? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah you sing on that part. It's like an intro, um, basically playing Runaway on piano, almost like an acoustic performance of it. And I sing the chorus, you know, slowly into, and then we, we transition that into the song. And uh, I play keys on it. So there, there are some layers there that don't exist when you hear it live. And actually the guitar... All of my guitar parts, none of that is in the EP recorded because I didn't have that at yeah. the time that we recorded it. So basically any part that I play live is a brand new layer or texture or sound that no one's heard if yeah. they've just listened to the EP. And, and really all of them, those songs, I mean, the EP came out a year ago almost, mm-hmm. you know, we're coming up on the anniversary of it. Once Michelle started playing the guitar live, that gave me like an, another live instrument I could play off of, you know, kind of traditional two guitar kind of setup. So what I play on top of the songs, I'd say is very different on some of them than what's on the recordings, mm-hmm. just out of trying to keep them fresh because some of them are getting up there in years, you know? Yeah. How do you guys feel about uh, Beetlejuice 2? Yes. I'm excited. Very excited. Awesome. Yeah, I cannot wait. Like, 
That's up there with Star Wars to me. Yeah, like it's, it's, a big one. I'm really excited about that. I just can't wait to see Winona Ryder again. Oh man, and Michael Keaton as yeah. you, I mean, oh man, yeah. I'd like to see Michael Keaton as Batman again. To be honest with you, I would too. Yeah. I could, I could, that'd be cool. For my money, I still like the way he looks in the suit the best. I liked his costume, I think, better. I mean, I like the one from Batman Returns. It had those weird, like, kind of futuristic abs, but, like, it just looked cool. How do you feel about the new Batman suit, the Ben Affleck one? That one photo is great. Rick's Rick's really liking it. Rick's excited. I am. (laughs) No, I think, honestly, man, it's going to be cool. Like, I mean, I enjoyed Superman. I know people had their problems with it, but you, you know, like, Zack Snyder makes the best looking trailers. So even if Batman versus Superman sucks, it is going to have the fucking most watched trailer in the history of movies. Like, you know, it's going to be so awesome. Yeah, I, I can't wait. I'm excited for it. No, I think he looks cool. I, I have no problems. When people complain about Ben Affleck, I'm just like, he's going to look like Batman. Like, he's got that. I think he's, he's going to kill it. I'm kind I, I of think... calling it right now in front of everyone. I think Ben Affleck's going to be the best Batman. <laughs> wow, I'm serious. I really think I could, he's going to okay. be that good. I, I could see that. I, I, think, um, I think he's going to blow it away. I, yeah, I really like him. You know, I grew up on Kevin Smith movies. You know, so he was the bomb in Phantoms, yeah. and <laughs> I'm really excited to see what he does. Like, to, I'm hoping he goes kind of dark with it. I think, I think he, he's... I think he will. He's got to make it different what? than his Daredevil role, right? Yes. That's the thing too. You know, you'll see what people say on like message boards and things, and it's weird that people hold Daredevil against him when he didn't make the film. You know what I mean? Like if we started to like go down the track record of actors and like. And I mean, really for, for when it came out, that was kind of, that was before, to me, Iron Man, the Iron Man ones really changed the game on the comic yep. book movies. Yep. So I can't fault Daredevil based on when it came in. It was decent. You know, like, I mean, there, there hadn't been, yeah. there hadn't been the Dark Knights yet. You know, there hadn't been the Iron Man 2 or the Avengers or any of them. There were great really, movies like The Punisher. Yeah. Where they really <laughs> figure it out. You know, we were still cool. dealing with like. Blade and Spawn and, you know, some of them were pretty weird. (laughs) I love whenever like these nerd conversations start to happen and then girls go quiet. (laughs) (laughs) I would I would actually really like to see like with what you were saying about about Keaton coming back to it. I'd love to see Christopher Nolan and Keaton get together and do some like when Batman comes back. It would be awesome. To see him like his old Batman. I want to start seeing movies where they start actually doing that kind of fan thing where they just disregard bad sequels and just make the movie that we all wanted to see in the first place. Mm-hmm. So I would love to see like like a Batman 3 that just disregards Batman Forever and Batman and Robin and it's just Michael Keaton as Batman as like an old man and it's like still takes place in like the Tim Burton Batman universe. Oh my God, that would be so good. Because how cool would that be, man? Like, did you see that concept art for uh, Neil Blomkamp, the director of District 9? He did this art for what his Alien sequel would be? Yes. No, I didn't. Oh, it looks, it's, it's basically like Alien 3 never happened. And Michael Bean, Michael Bean is still alive and he's got like kind of scars on his face. And and it would just be like a movie where just like a what if sequel. And the artwork looks amazing. And I I think we're at that point now in movies where like we're getting all these remakes and stuff anyways, where it's kind of like, why not? Like just make these weird sequel. Like I would love to see a RoboCop (laughs) three with like Peter Weller and just do like the death of RoboCop story. And then they just completely disregard those shitty Canadian TV shows. Part three, that remake. There's all, all sorts of nonsense RoboCop out there. Okay. Yeah, there is. A lot of and, nonsense And they could just go too. film it in the streets for free in Detroit right now. You know, it's all... <laughs> <laughs> like, they could do it. You could. <laughs> what's up for blushes, man? What's what's coming up? Well, oh, we're man. riding yeah. for our LP. 
Actually, well, I mean, we. I mean, we're written yeah. for our LP almost, other than a couple demos that we want to make sure we're not. That's true. We're not missing any because we have a couple really good starter tracks that we don't want to skip over. But otherwise, we have so many songs. I mean, mm -hmm. I think I know we're happy with yeah. what we have. Um, yeah. So we've been writing, and it's like looking back, we've been so busy. Somehow, while we played as many shows as we did, we kept writing all last year, really. Yeah. I mean, I know it seems like we had, mm -hmm. we're like, okay, let's start writing for our LP. And then we, we go in and we listen to all these demos that we've created over the course of the last year. And we're like, holy cow, we have 80% of what we need here. This is yeah. all really good. So it's kind of cool. But otherwise, I mean, we're <clears throat> finishing up writing, I guess I would say, and then beginning the recording and taking the demos we have and bringing them to life mm -hmm. and really making it into a cohesive album. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But by the time you hear this, we will be knee deep in in, in the LP. Yes. And we yeah, actually excited we had, about it. We had an amazing pre-production meeting this last weekend and we did song selection. Yeah, we're it's, we're all kind of in yeah. cloud nine right now, excited yeah. to get this going. Actually, I'm curious too, like just in the writing process, like who is responsible for lyrics? Michelle. Oh, that's all Michelle. And do you guys have any input? Like, would she ever come in and be like, hey, I got this great rhyme, you know, like feeling kind of better, put on your sweater. And then you guys like shoot that one down or do you just let her do whatever she wants? <laughs> we pretty much just let her ride, man. Michelle's awesome. Um, the lyrics are always on point and her melodies and harmonies are just always, I, I, there's a lot, a lot of times where she'll send stuff and I'll just get chills to it. So it's like, for me, I don't question anything. I just kind of let it go. Sometimes she'll, you know, ask for our input, but it's always, it's always totally positive. I think I questioned myself enough for the three of us. Like I'm pretty, I don't know. I feel like when I worked with my brother in the beginning, even just on the one song I wrote, that was a tough love situation where I wrote and rewrote and rewrote and rewrote. And I didn't know how many times I would need to rewrite for myself. But my brother sent me back every time. Like, I think you can do better. I think you can do better. And I'll always thank him for that because it hurt my feelings at the time. Like, well, why isn't what, I wrote originally good. I, I like it. It sounds mm -hmm. good. But I found that if I would revisit, I just, I never stick with my first draft. I always, I mean, it's usually a gut instinct. It usually comes to me naturally, the ones that stick and the ones that become songs. But I always question myself. I always re-listen. I always think about it and try and feel it because it's all, a lot of it's real time emotions because I tend to dwell a lot on my past just in my life and I dwell a lot and worry a lot about my future so I write a lot about my past and my future and my present but I'm living it all in the present it's always running through my head so all of it's like super raw coming to me in the moment because I'm feeling that way in the moment so like I said I think I question myself and critique myself I think we're I all yeah, kind of like that. Us, yeah. I know we're all pretty hard on ourselves with what we do, but I think that's that's definitely a positive thing. Yeah. Um, there will be times – I know sometimes I can take a while to kind of get stuff out, but it's just because I, I want it to be just right for me before I let anyone hear it. And so that kind of takes a while. And there's a lot of times Chris won't show us stuff, but – He'll show it to us and we're like, why the hell have you been hiding this? Like, this is awesome. And I definitely so, yeah. felt that way with my production at first. I was scared to like, oh, man, are they going to think it's good? I've gotten better about that. It seems like I just shoot you guys stuff. And you have to. Like, it's just a demo. Like, yeah. yeah. But I'm the same way. I've probably got 100 songs on my laptop that no one's heard. Yeah. Just because, <laughs> who knows, whatever. 
<laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Whatever. <Yeah. laughs> we all ride a lot. I mean, I know. I, got awesome. no <laughs> I have some on my laptop too. I mean, I've been t- that I have been talking about, but I know personally, I go home almost every evening and either sit at my piano or sit with my lyric book or open up a new project in Logic and just play around because every time I do that, I learn something. So. Yeah. I think we all probably do that. Yeah, we all, I think we all do that. I think each one of us probably has like the collective blushes stuff, but then stuff we kind of work on on our own just to kind of tighten up the chops and then just to have as extra stuff we can throw in the pot in case we need it. Mm -hmm. So there's never really a lack of songs. Can never have too many beats, can never have too many tracks just to work on and think about, I guess. How do you find that lyrics come to you like when you're say listening to a song does like a melody come to you first i mean maybe it's different each time but i mean because i was talking to um the uh lead singer look cassette and he would say to me like he sings gibberish like you would listen to a song and literally just sing like nonsense to get the sort of tune and then sort of fill the lyrics in but i know other people who sort of write it out almost like poetry beforehand and then apply it to the music i do both i mean i think the other day we were all in here and i came up with a chord progression, which Chris put a bass line to, which Rick put a beat to. And we recorded that in and looped it. And then I sat down physically while we were in the room. So she, she's over here like to herself, like while the music's going, singing to herself and writing this amazing, yeah, amazing good. hook and these amazing lyrics. And she finally sent us the demo the other day. And it's awesome. It's awesome. And she was just <laughs> and that one only, in real time. That, yeah, that one only took a couple days, but... I mean, I think it's different every time, but at the same time, I, I'm constantly writing down thoughts and sometimes I'm like, I definitely want to use this feeling I was having or this like epiphany I had the other day. I want to kind of incorporate that into a song. So if I do feel a melody first, then I'll be like, can I take any of these feelings? Am I feeling from this chord progression or whatever am I is this evoking any of the emotions that I've been feeling recently is it evoking emotion I feel right now it's seriously different every time it's hard to say you should write a song about Star Wars (laughs) (laughs) we yeah I will try. <laughs> you need to ask input on that. I don't, I don't know if I can do that Star justice. Wars. I don't know if I can do justice to that. What's Houston like? What do you guys do there? I'm a homebody, so I, I mean, I'll go to shows and um, check a out a bunch of, of local I mean, acts and friends and. Yeah. Um, Houston is popping off right now. It really like, is. Seriously, <laughs> nobody knows about it, and there's so so much shit going on. Literally every night, yeah. there's there's shows you can go to and see the weirdest, most abstract underground, like grid controller based electronic, and people just twerk into it <laughs> at Natsuo on like a Tuesday <laughs> night. Or you can go. There's there's just there's so many different scenes. There, it's got we've got rock scenes and metal scenes yeah. and tons of. You music. Know, we've got some up and coming up and coming rappers that are just killing it. Everybody's just just doing it right now. We've got friends that have started clothing companies and they've gotten to where you know they've opened their actual retail storefronts now or you know their own offices and people are kind of getting to where they're transitioning from doing their their cool stuff on the side to that becoming like their, their full-time job. And it's like, everybody's just killing it and everybody's coming together at the same time. And it's just, it's, everybody's excited and supportive of everything that everyone's doing. So it's a really great, 
great scene. Yeah, it's a mm-hmm. great scene for musicians and artists. And um, other than that, I mean, I feel like there's a ton of great restaurants in Houston. Oh, yeah. Food galore. Um, there's, well, I mean, I spend a lot of my free time volunteering at an animal shelter. So a lot of times during the day, at least. So I don't get, I mean, I should, I just moved back into the inner loop of Houston. I was kind of commuting in. So um, this was just a few weeks ago, but I know like even during the day on the weekends, there's dog parks, there's discovery green. There's always something you can go do outside. I mean, right now it's February, but the weather's like 75 and sunny and the weather is very bipolar though, because Later in the week, it's going to be cold. Cold for Houston is what, though? Um, cold for Houston. I mean, people are freezing their asses off and complaining about it if it gets below 60. Literally. But, but, but technically, it can get to like the high 20s, low oh, yeah. 30s. It can get there. Yeah. I actually it love it. It freezes once a year. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like cold weather yeah. and I... I wish it would last a little longer Me than it too. does. The groundhog said we had more yeah. time, but it I didn't know. feel like it. I enjoy the winter. I mean, I feel like it's kind of like... I love the holidays. It's even if you're not coupled up, it's like romantic and nostalgic. And I like writing music when it's and cold. And hot chocolate. And sitting by the fire. I don't have a fireplace, <laughs> but if I did, I would enjoy that. <laughs> Aren't you tempted working at an animal shelter to always be taking things home? Oh, yeah. It's really hard. But at least, I mean, I have a rescue toy poodle at home. I mean, she's... I've shout had out her, to Bootsy. Shout out to Bootsy. Um, I've had her... For 10 years. And my apartment's only like 315 square feet. So I just know that I couldn't take any of them home. But going up to the shelter is I would rather go there and know that I'm doing what I can than, you know, I'm just one more person that lets them outside to see the light of day. If I don't go there, that's, you know, 10 to 20 dogs that don't get to walk outside for that day. So it is hard, but it's also, would for me, would be harder not to go. Well, animals are cute, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I want to make jokes, but, like, when you do, like, a charitable thing, like, that makes you a better person than me. So, like, I, I have nothing sarcastic to say about volunteering at an animal shelter. <laughs> But it's the Montgomery County Animal Shelter. <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> Shout out to Montgomery County Animal Shout Shelter. Shout out to Doug. We've, we've played dog a show was. there. Actually. We actually did. We played a benefit for the Montgomery County Animal Shelter. We played. Um, it was hot. It was called. Yeah. God, it was it hot. melted my scent. It broke yeah. my scent. Yeah. So it, it was melting our, our stuff. Yeah. It was, it was called um, Tales and Trails, and we played, and there were dogs and cats. and. I get that it's a pun, but what's the trails aspect? Do they take them on walks? I mean, it was out in the woodlands. Watch your step. There were trails. <laughs> and you could actually take some of the adoptable dogs from the shelter and walk them just to, like, people who are interested in adopting the dogs, um, spend some time walking them to get th- get to know them and see if it would be a good fit for their family. So she did a really good job. My friend, is she organized it. And yeah, it was cool. They're doing another one this year. So Do you, like, play, like, animal-specific music? Change some of your lyrics around to have, like, the word toy poodle in it and stuff? We yeah. try not to play Gave It Away. <laughs> <laughs> Rick's got jokes. <laughs> I'm going to play a rim shot when that happens. <laughs> we played just a live set of a mix of our EP songs and and non-EP songs. So, I mean, it was a good, it was a family-friendly event. My little brother was there. It was super relaxed. It was kind of, it was really cool. Well, anyways, guys, it was uh, it was good talking to you. Do you want to do individual sign-offs, you know, where you're like, this is Chris, you know, 
Star Wars. Do it. This is Chris. This is Ray. <laughs> I was actually just going to suggest doing other ones, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so this is Chris from Blushes. This is Michelle from Blushes. And this is Rick, and I'm also in Blushes. <laughs> Wait, so you've got another band? You need a catchphrase that all three of you say simultaneously, right? So after you say your names and like, blush to the max or something. Okay, let's... let's pizza. Pizza. <laughs> pizza. Pizza. Pizza power. Pizza power. Pizza power, pizza power is TMNT, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Let's pizza yeah. power it. What pizza power for sure? We're blushes and pizza power. Pizza power. <laughs> okay, wait. Ready? We're going to say we're okay. blushes, pizza power. Okay. On, okay. on three. One, two, three. We're, we're blushes, pizza, pizza power. power. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> I promise our live shows are better. Yes. <laughs> was blushes uh, they've got some cool tunes and some more on the way so you should definitely check them out and that is all for today's episode of beyond synth so i hope you all enjoyed yourselves and uh have a lovely day and please tune in to the next episode all right guys catch you on the flip side Beyond Synth is now over. Please tune in next time. Thank you for your cooperation.